And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hardworking people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. This looks like a job for Superman. Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. Hello, and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number 40. And as last month, it's going to be a weird Comics Monthly Monday, i.e. not on format, because we are lazy. <laughs> no, actually we're 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 hard at work. No, at, actually at, we're lazy. Yes. We're, we're hard at work this month on all sorts of special projects. So we wanted to pick something that didn't strain our brains too much. Stop lying to the listeners and just be honest. We're lazy. And when I say us, that's myself, Chris Honeywell, Scott Gardner, and Michael Bailey. Hello. I am Michael Bailey, and Diet Dr Pepper is fueling me tonight. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm I'm I I was hitting energy drink earlier and now I'm backing off and I'm on some cranberry juice just to keep me on an even keel. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's going to be different. We're not going to have I'm not reading a goddamn co- superhero comic and no no freaky 5. This this one it's like a bonus commentary month. For, for you guys, we're, we're going to do Disney's The Rocketeer. Um, something that we've, we've, been, we've been... This yeah, movie's this, this been is... talked about a lot in our podcasting career, but this is our first crack at covering it. If we had the time, it would be funny to go back to all of the times Scott and I have said we really need to do a commentary <laughs> on The Rocketeer uh, and just Rocketeer play it all episode. in one long 15-minute... <laughs> diatribe oh you know we need God. to cover the rocketeer we need to cover the rocketeer you know we really need to do that commentary <laughs> on the rocketeer so. <laughs> well somebody just mentioned it on the on the forum again too about us doing the rocketeer so i was like all right all right already but no i i agree for the longest time we've wanted to do this one and now we're finally getting off our butts and doing it so will it have been worth the wait you find out and decide so yeah, so um, uh, I think Scott has a has a kind of a different perspective on this movie than I do because I have yet, uh, even though I bought the hardcover, I have yet to read any of the comics to the Rocketeer. Um, I just saw the film when it came out in 1991. In fact, it was on my first date ever. Me and this girl went to see What About Bob with <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss and Bill Murray. Bill Murray. There was a, there was a trailer for the Rocketeer before it. 
and I got like really excited because I had kind of heard about it, and it was by the guys that did the Flash TV show. So it's like there was a there's a whole bunch of awesome all wrapped up, and it just looked like a fun movie. And uh, you know, me and my friend Ben went to see it uh, in the dollar twenty five theater eventually. And I just, I just fell in love with it. I just, I fell in love with the cast, which is really easy to do with Jennifer Connelly, who is remarkably hot. Uh, was, was, yes. You shut your mouth, Scott Gardner. <laughs> was. <laughs> it's past tense. I'm sad to say. Oh, harsh. No. You ever no. see the end of The Exorcist where the priest falls down those metal <laughs> steps? That's kind of what I want to Photoshop you into that right now. Because, but um, no, I just absolutely love this film. Just I love what it represents. I love that it is a period piece. I love that it is unapologetic about being a period piece mm-hmm. and being wrapped up in and being kind of not only a period piece. But being like a movie that w- would be made in that time period, almost. well, that's that's what I that's that would be my argument is if it was a real period piece, there would have been more swearing and and stuff. If it was truly realistic to that time period, but it was it was more realistic to the entertainment of that time period, to the spirit of of what you know. There was almost a propaganda of of just like that gosh gee whizness you know, in those days and it, and it comes through strong in this movie and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very, um, much Joe Johnson's style. It seems, you know, he seems to be very attached to that time period and that feel, which is awesome. There should be more movies like that. Like this. Now, now I know that I was living in Rochester with you when this movie came out. But I can't remember if you and I went together. Do you remember? Nope. I was gonna say we can. I got an origin story of this. We can. Uh, okay. But I, I figured I'd save it till it was getting going. Yeah, I definitely did not see this with you. Okay. I can't remember who I did see it with. Maybe the girl I was with at the time, but I I honestly just can't remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm ready to get into it. If you guys are ready to get into it. All right. Do you want me to give the uh, three count? We we are of course. Um, starting this, if you got the DVD started out right at zero zero, you're gonna see a black screen that's gonna fade up into you know Walt di- uh, sort of gold color. I think it says Touchstone Pictures, if I'm not mistaken. Mine says Walt Disney. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever it says, I'm ready. I'm at zero zero. All right. So on go. Three, two, one, go. Okay. Mine says Walt Disney Pictures. Mine says Touchstone Pictures. Um, later releases would have Walt Disney because they decided ah, to finally call okay. it. It's, it's kind of like Nightmare Before Christmas uh, where you. they um, they eventually said, yeah, it's a Disney film because it's making us money now. <laughs> <laughs> now it mine saying a Joe Johnson film. Yep. Yeah, yeah okay, that's what mine so says. We're, we're, yeah. so we're pretty we're much in, in sync, yeah. Yeah. Director so, of Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, I love the way yeah. the the title wipes away when they're opening up. Yeah, isn't that That's great? That's really cool. I, now, the first thing I want to comment on is the score. Yes. Now, I'm a big uh, James Horner fan to begin with anyway, 
But this is one of his absolute best. I really, really like this. And one of the things I like about this is it's almost completely original. You know, so many times with uh, with James Horner, he recycles his own work and, and is very <laughs> yes. self-referential. Yes, he does. Which oh is a God. common criticism I hear about him. I both like it and dislike it. Depending on the score and depending on the movie, I both like it and dislike it. To my ear, there's only one moment in this score that is self-referential, and when we get to it, I'll uh, I'll point it out. But uh, I, I love the score in this movie, and it's one of the reasons I was uh, a little bit disappointed with uh, Captain America: First Avenger. As much as I really enjoy that movie and thought it was great, I really wish that it had been the Johnston Horner team again teaming up to do that movie. Uh, just because I, I would have liked Sylvester it. Sylvester did a did a adequate job, though. Oh, and it's not that he didn't. It's just I really would have liked to have seen, you know, or heard rather what would have happened if it had been these guys reunited for Captain America. You know, it's really funny. I love Bill Campbell in this role, mm-hmm. but my favorite character is Alan Arkin's character. I just I like Alan Arkin. I, Alan Arkin's is such a great actor. Yeah, he's, what's he's really. Just, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He just he just sells every role. He's in. I love how he pulls the gum <laughs> yeah, off. And throws exactly. <laughs> What's really funny is you know you know me. I mean, you guys know me very well at this point with comic book movies. How it usually annoys the fire out of me if they're not completely faithful to the source material. What's really funny is that Alan Arkin is pretty far removed from how PV really is in the comics, as well as. Uh, you know, uh, the Rocketeer's girlfriend in this isn't Betty Page. That's who she is in the comics. But in this, it's a completely different character because, of course, this is a Disney film, so they changed her. I like both of the characters in the movie better than I like the characters in the comics. And there was a recent um, miniseries where the Rocketeer returned. And I really enjoyed it. But I kind of wish that they had gone with the movie version of the Rocketeer in those <laughs> Rocketeer adventures because I just like those characters better they, than, than the actual There's no way originals. they were going to get rid of Betty Page in the comics because that was half the selling yeah, point. Dave, right. Dave, yeah, that's Dave true. Stevens would come back from the dead and basically <laughs> haunt everybody. Um, one of the guys in his crew, I'm trying to remember his name. He was on Newhart as, you know, my name's... Larry, Larry, this is my brother yeah. Daryl, and he was also in um, what is that Blade Runner? Yeah, Blade Runner, yeah. And he played the same basic character on Batman the Animated Series. He is a Rhodes Scholar. Of course, he is an he is an extremely intelligent human being, and it's just great to see him in these roles where he's playing a guy that doesn't look like the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he sells it so well. And really, that is that is the charm of this movie is that everybody in this film, even when, you know, Timothy Dalton is at his scene chewing worst as just being the villain, everyone is buying into the movie. Yeah. And I think, yeah. Now there's Pa Kent. It's not it's not winky. Uh, that's oh, I forgot that he played. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Pa Kent from uh, from Lois and Clark is in this as well. He plays the the clown that that gets uh, that's in the Superman the movie. That's moment, right. Yeah, um, which is kind of ironic when you think. Now, have either of you ever read the novelization to this? 
I no. was going to ask you about that because I just learned today that Peter David wrote that. I've had it for years. I have not. Oh, I love that guy. Uh, I have never read it, but I really want to because Peter David can make a crappy movie good in a novelization, and he can make a good movie like even better almost in terms of it. So I'm kind of I, I'm kind of interested in seeing what he uh, what he's going to do with it. Yeah, I've, I don't have it myself. I, I'm gonna have to hunt it down now. I I'll know just I've go seen to a used it bookstore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, I have to find it now. Um, one of the things I really like about this movie, and I'll be pointing out, you know, through the course of the commentary, this movie has a lot of Star Trek connections, a whole bunch of them. <laughs> and right off the bat is Bill Campbell. Now, I still find it absolutely unbelievable that this is actually after his run as the outrageous Okana in that episode of next gen, he seems so much younger to me in this movie than he looked in that episode. And it's just strange that it, this, you know, this is three years after that episode, but he does, he looks like he's what, like 20, you know, like between like 19 and 21. Well, whereas it, as Okana, he looked like he was like in his, you know, like early thirties. I thought makeup Two and, and acting and yeah, to be yes. fair this is rich film and not videotape basically right. it's true yeah um so that would explain it too but i i love this entire sequence the guy playing one of the main fbi guys is one of those great jackass character actors who just always plays the hard ass now you're talking the tall, taller, skinnier yeah. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, Ed Lauder. I was going to point out some stuff about him. Uh, he uh, he was uh, he goes on to be on uh, Next Generation as well. He's in the episode where uh, Wesley and his uh, the rest of his class of like the flight mm -hmm. training or whatever they're being court-martialed. He plays the father of the kid who died. And then he's also in one of my favorite movies, uh, the 1976 version of King Kong. He's one of the uh, the crew members that goes aboard or goes ashore to uh, Skull Island. In that, I think he dies if I can't if I remember right. I think he's one of the ones where when when Kong rolls the log and throws everybody off into the chasm. I think he's one that gets killed in that scene if I remember right. He was he also was the dad and uh, girls just want to have fun with. Uh with Sarah Jessica Parker and oh. Helen Hunt. See, I thought you were going to say he was the dad. He was, um, what's his name, Brandon Frazier's dad in School Ties. Yes, he was. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. That was quite a stunt with the with the, um, the plane landing crashing. gear. The landing yeah. gear coming off the plane. That looked like it was a practical, real uh, shot. I, I love that he goes back for the picture. And, and, <laughs> and just the reaction he has. You know, it, it's... It, He's a hothead, but it's not like over the top hothead. You just see that, you know, you push, you get him upset over certain things and he's just, he completely loses control. <laughs> like right up here. Well, I would too if my nice livelihood. Dude, yeah, just got shot down randomly for no reason. Because <laughs> they basically just took a pot shot at him as he flew by, you know, he was just doing his thing, you know. The score to the Rocketeer was the first CD I ever bought. Wow. All right. Nice 40 <laughs> style fighting there. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Literally, in the 40s, they always hauled off. 
It wasn't yep. just punching someone. It was a haul off and punch somebody. <laughs> <laughs> William William Sanderson is plays Skeets. He's the one from um, Blade Runner and Eddie Jones. I completely forgot their names before. Uh, was Pa Kent on Lois and Clark. Uh, just... <laughs> So are we going to get into the, our origin stories? Sure. Who wants to go first? I'll go I, already, first. I, I already kind of told mine. I thought yeah. we were doing that before <laughs> the movie. I apologize. <laughs> I didn't get the memo. I'm glad well, that the good humor man is, is is getting work driving an ambulance as well. That was really nice to see. <laughs> well, before before the show got started, we were talking. Scott was saying, you know, that he th- that he was saying it was during when he lived in Rochester that this movie came out when, when we lived in the same apartment together. But um, I think this movie was just a little before that because I saw this when I was living in Minnesota with my dad, which was a little bit before I moved back to Rochester, and then a little after that was when you moved up. But I, I, I saw this in a theater. This is, this you know, I can remember just about every movie I've seen with my dad. And this one, that summer, we saw... That I that I worked in Minnesota. The the only two movies that that we saw that came to the th- the only theater within like sixty miles was uh, the Rocketeer and Dick Tracy were the two movies that we went to see. Mm-hmm. Both both were throwback movies to you know, uh you know to the pretty much the same time period. Dick Tracy, well Dick Tracy it depends because Dick Tracy spanned many. <laughs> many um decades and it's from when it started but yeah i i, I both and it's and yeah these this is a good movie to it's see the paris like, and trilon from the world's fair that's awesome mm-hmm. it, this is a good movie to see like with your father because it's it's a movie that's a throwback to their time to their age you know to the movies they saw as kids you know of so uh the yeah, uh i saw it in this little theater in minnesota the actor playing Howard Hughes is Terry O'Quinn, who I guess would be known to most people these days as one of the actors that was in Lost. Lost. But uh, he was in every movie in the early 90s. <laughs> it's like he was in Young... He was in Young... Oh, there's the dude from The Crow, mm-hmm. who was actually the physical basis of the comic book character he played in The Crow movie, so that's kind of funny. Um, but uh, no, Terry O'Quinn was in like tombstone and young guns it's just like every time i like watch a movie it's like what the did he just never stop working he had a good agent in the 90s yeah i always wanted to live in a in a um airplane hangar i would love to have a converted airplane hangar oh you can buy one near where i live for three hundred thousand dollars not much if you have terry terry o'quinn has a uh, star trek uh connection on uh next gen there was an episode where uh, one of Riker's former captains comes on the ship and they go in search of a, of a ship that it had, it had been some sort of like experimental um, cloaking device attempt by the Federation and the ship was lost. And it's, I'm trying to remember, it's been a long time since I've seen that episode but they they think they found the ship, so they go to like try to recover it and everything. And it's this big cover up where where Riker had actually been involved in this big cover up with this captain years ago. And uh, he's kind of a skeezy character, as it turns out at the end of the episode. But uh, I, I think I want to say he's I think he's actually an admiral in that episode. I think 
But hey, again, Evie, I found your porn system. collection. <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy as hell. <laughs> now, this is a character I would love to cosplay as at a convention. Would be what, the, rocketeer? the rocketeer. Yeah, I've seen some great rocketeers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks. <laughs> Hey, if you want to go cheap, just I could do, do Malcolm, rocket. I guess. Just do the Rocketeer and the coveralls. <laughs> if you want. It's funny to see where some of these actors went. Bill Campbell played a complete narcissistic racist, rapist on an episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And I'm like, no, not Cliff. See, I've been wondering what happened to him because. I, I don't think I know of him of anything past this and Star Trek. I mean, what else has he done? He, I, I think he, uh, if he's doing uh, Law and Order, he's either a pretty heavy uh, Broadway actor. Um, he did a lot of TV. He was on Melrose Place. Um, he was in a TV series called The Killing. So he's been working. On a show called The Forty Four. He was on The Forty Four Hundred. Which was that USA series that was like, hey, we want to be lost. <laughs> no, he, he worked steadily through the 90s. He was in Gettysburg. I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. fa fabricating was... one of those. I'm just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just looking at that rocket packing thinking fabricating one of those for cosplay would uh, cost you a little it... money. He was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, by, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Billy Campbell was? Yeah. Huh. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Hey, look, he's getting a BJ. <laughs> what? Ah. Just the way the, the, the thing was shaking. It... <laughs> I think I'm way ahead of you guys or something. Are you guys at the Neville Sinclair part? No. They're stealing the now statue right now. Okay. Here's yeah, the thing. A few you, seconds got, of us. You, you guys saw this in the theater, right? Yes. Do you remember a full sword fighting scene with got Neville it. Sinclair? It was literally it was literally like twenty five years ago or more. <laughs> okay, I remember the sword like a scene of him sword fighting through his house, and then you it's revealed that it's his house. And then the mob people uh show show up. And then when I saw it on DVD, I'm like, what the hell happened to that scene? So I'm wondering if there's like a longer cut of this film out there. I love Paul Servino, by the way. Paul Servino has a Star Trek connection. He yes, was he does. Worf's brother. He played Worf's uh, human... Uh, what, what, would he, what would he be? Stepbrother? I guess, or adopted brother? Yeah. His adopted brother. His human brother. And uh, in addition to being James Bond, Timothy Dalton was also in the immortal Flash Gordon. That's right. And still a damn shame that he wasn't Tony Stark, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's a little old now for Tony Stark. Oh, now he is, yeah. But, I mean, back then... Oh, I yeah, it would have it been perfect. Because yeah. right I now still... I, can't, I can't see anybody but Robert Downey Jr. in that role ever again. So <laughs> He would have had to ditch his accent, that's all. But I'm sure he could do it. And I, I think at this point it was uh, this was pretty much a big break from Timothy Dalton to play a bad guy. You know, right. he's always been the dashing hero lead and, or the rogue. Yeah, he was actually Bond at the time that this movie was made uh -huh. too, which is pretty cool. 
Right. Well, he got. I remember the reviews were always like, you know, it's good to see Timothy Dalton get to chew the scenery and be the heavy for once, you know, and be cast against type. Uh, you guys suck at, as far as protecting your boss because those guns came out way too slow. <laughs> let me be let me really know, awkward. Let me know when you guys are at the part where he's about to swipe the flowers with his sword Just so I can it. sink back. Okay. okay. Yeah, it sounds like you're like two or three seconds ahead of us and that's yeah. it. Okay. Literally, as you said it, he did it. <laughs> okay. So I'm probably a little bit behind you now. Look at that nose. <laughs> what an awesome nose. On Paul Servino or on yeah. Timothy Dalton? On Paul Servino. It's a, almost like a Dick Tracy character knows. It's almost like they enhanced Well, he him. was in Dick Tracy, so that makes sense. Ah, okay. He Which was, he must uh, have been filming. Way ahead of you guys, because I'm up to the part where Lothar's answering the phone. <laughs> yeah, you are a little ahead of... I, th I think you're working off of a different DVD cut. All right, when it gets to the part where they're nailing the stake in the ground, let me know. I'll sync back up with you. Okay. He's on the phone. He's dialing. The you got the Lothar character point listening to the radio. The one like over the top comic book element of the film really was this character. I'm eating a sandwich. I'm drinking coffee. It's got a lot of cream and a lot of sugar because it upsets my stomach. Okay, he's nailing the steak. Okay. We're in sync. There was a band in the in the 60s called Lothar and the Hand People. Now, who is the guy that you said he's based on, Chris? Who? Lothar. What's I that didn't. dude's name again? Yeah, you did. He's based on a real person that was uh, in horror movies back during that oh, time. Oh, uh, that's uh, Rondo Hatton. Rondo Hatton, yeah. Rondo, Rondo Hatton had a disease called acromegaly. I actually know somebody that. with acromegaly, and as as you get when when you become an adult with acromegaly, your extremities keep growing, and your face keeps growing, and it's it's eventually it's a very, it's you know he the, the Rondo Hatton suffered the same fate as, you know like when you see Richard Keel these days on the on right. the, on a, in a wheelchair, you know as lots of damage to your your joints and you just you know you you end up being in a lot of pain but yeah as as you grow older your hands get bigger you keep getting taller your feet keep getting bigger and all and your face grows into a face you know pretty much everybody ends up looking like rondo hatton or lothar when they have acromegaly that's such a great it's sort of like the, it's like the steven spielberg shooting star scene in uh -huh. every movie gone wrong and now, love, now it's Superman the movie. <laughs> I, lo I love the rocket just continuing to fire as it's buried in the ground. Now it reminds <laughs> me of the lighting fart videos that you see on YouTube. <laughs> Gone wrong. Ah, oh, my ass! I love this that he's looking at it. At this, at this point, he's totally thinking, I'm strapping that thing on my back. Yep. <laughs> Sooner or later, I'm strapping that on my back. I don't give a shit. That's the whole jet fighter mentality anyway this oh, would be a good yeah this would be a good movie to watch as a double feature with the right stuff no because because pilots you know the most outside of wanting to make sure that the plane goes down in a non-populated area uh, from talking to my dad who grew up on air force bases all over europe 
in the 50s and 60s. You know, th those people have the mentality that right until they crash, they think they can pull out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to, I think you would have to, to have the balls to actually yeah. do it. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just sort of comes with the territory. Don't talk because... about balls when Jennifer Connelly's bare leg is on the screen, oh, all right? Oh, yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> and then there's her friend. <laughs> She is the friend that the wingman has to talk to. Yep. You oh. see, I don't think her friend's that bad looking. She's not, but she's still... Not Jennifer Connelly, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, I think they should have done with Jennifer Connelly. I think they should have given her the... Just as a nod to Betty Page, they should have given her the bangs. If they would have given her the bangs, it would have... It would have made a lot of the... Uh, I'd like know, to give her the bangs. Uh, <laughs> I, I sort of knew I was setting it up, but I'm like, ah, you know, we've 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 had a less profane Scott Gardner lately. Maybe he'll she leave that one Daredevil. alone. But yeah, what? The, the house mother was in Daredevil. She's the one that bullseye. She was Daredevil. On the plane. Yeah, she yeah she was Ben Affleck. That's she a was young a Ben Affleck. Um, no, she's the one that's talking to Bullseye on the plane, and he chokes her with the peanut. I uh, I never watched that movie. I didn't want to hurt my brain. I watched it. I was pretty... The only thing I really liked about it was I thought they got the radar vision was kind of neat, the way that his sonar w worked. But I was pretty... You must you have know, been hot all the time in the 40s with the amount of clothing mm -hmm. that everybody had to wear. <laughs> I know, and you know deodorant technology was probably up to snuff, you know. <laughs> well, that's why you wore 16 layers so <laughs> Trap the it in. couldn't break through it. <laughs> That's... No, I, I like the fact that in this scene we're, we're getting that even though they're in love that there's still some kind of friction in the relationship. Like, yeah, they get along. Yeah, but played off. Whatever happened to him? He really seemed like he was going places, you know? Ah, uh, Hitler. You know what the best thing about Hitler was? He killed himself. <laughs> thought he was living in south america somewhere that's what, just what you don't brain. know is, is that oh. if you look in the background you got young steve rogers watching the exact same <laughs> it does look like him too <laughs> uh don't give anybody the idea or they'll cgi him in under the i gray. would totally be all right with that i, yeah, actually... I was about to say I'd, I'd be okay with that you too. see i'm really happy i'm really happy about watching a movie now that i know i'm not going to see any cgi in it i'm going to see all practical effects in this movie and i'm very happy about that actually i i think when cgi is used to enhance practical effects it's fine when it when it and if it's smooth enough that you don't know that it's not a practical effect, but you have a better eye for that than I do, admittedly. But yeah, well, uh, well, I mean, look. but there's just like you know, you know, if this movie was made nowadays, there'd be there would have been whole well, all the fly, all the Rocketeer flying would have been CG, but you know, they could have they could have made his little plane, his plane adventure at the beginning and crash would have been maybe a little more spectacular because they, because they could. This is just. Now, here's a here's a question for the group, because um, I do the same thing. Why do we watch radios like there's something going on the radio? 
I, I don't anymore, but I think they did in those days because it was just, it was a focal point, you know, and before the TV. Kiss me, you big freak. <laughs> Kiss me. <laughs> the guy, Doesn't this guy look like he's like a Ferengi? He looks like Wally Shawn. <laughs> Inconceivable. Ow. You know when 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 you're sitting just listening to something. Wait for it. Wait for <laughs> it. Oh wait, that's not the radio. I'm a dumb cop. The Jesus. <laughs> I think we're all way out of sync. <laughs> I think you're I think you're ahead of us by a couple seconds. I I don't know what fast DVD player you have, but uh... <laughs> Put your finger on the DVD player and slow it down a little bit, you know, on the... Oh, doggy. That's it. The bulldog. Yeah, that's an, running. Yeah, that's an awesome scene. I just... I, I don't know. I like to watch it. dogs running like that. It's hilarious to me. That's why that movie... I love this western. That's awesome. If you get up around in new york and you start getting up into the adirondacks there's lots of restaurants that are still like this i'd love to eat at a place like that because usually they have the best burgers on the face of the planet because they're still using like a lard to cook them yeah, they're <laughs> they're not using pink paste <laughs> it, it reminds this reminds me a little with scott remember dandy donuts in watertown yeah. This reminds me a little of Dandy Donuts, you know. You, you you know it had been there since the 50s when they first built it and still had the same napkin dispensers and everything. Probably still had the same ketchup that they had in the 50s, knowing Dandy yeah. Donuts. I love old places like that. Good going there, guy. You know, just, it kind of reminds me of your next outfit. kind of reminds me a little bit of the... Um, the uh, Bottom Riders Club from The Right Stuff, too. It's hard to it's hard to imagine that, like, kids nowadays in the future are going to be like, I miss the old restaurants of the early 2000s. Remember those? <laughs> they were so great. They were all called Fuddruckers, and all they had were pictures from, you know, pictures from the 50s stuck on them, and they all look the same from outside. Weren't those great? Well, to be fair, I miss Fud Ruckers now because the one in this area closed. So I, I'm just and is now a Starbucks. I always pick on Fud Ruckers just because it was in idiocracy. <laughs> Welcome to Fud Ruckers. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny. Is the day the Fud Ruckers closed? Uh, a guy came in with a Starbucks t-shirt. He put like two drops on the restaurant and it morphed into the Starbucks. <laughs> it's amazing technology they have now. They had to come up with that. That's the only way you can build those things fast enough. This this comes into this the conflict that I always hate in these movies where, you know, there's tension between them because like yeah. he's a... A pilot and he almost got killed and you know the, they don't want her to know that he almost got killed because she's gonna get mad at him it's like the same with b being married to or dating a cop you're married or dating a cop she's marrying and dating a pilot yeah Scott and I call that the Inza Nelson effect 
where uh, you just end up not liking the Think... significant other because she's just it, it comes off as bitchy. And yeah, it's it's conflict and it's drama. Yeah, I don't get and, mad and at that. the characters as much as the writers <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> you know, I don't play, but you know, it's it's just like that was probably what drew her. And the same thing happens. This is this is a classic musician, uh, sad yeah. story of you know the musician gets a girlfriend because she's like, oh my god, he's so cute. She likes the musician. He's so cute and he's in a band and stuff, and then. Then when they hook up, she's just like, "You spend too much time with that band. I think you like the band more than me." And they, and either you end up losing a musician, or the musician ends up losing a girlfriend. But it's like the thing that attracts. It, it happens in these movies all the time. The thing that attracted them to him probably in the first place becomes the point of contention, and that that always just strikes me as being a a. a a false you know just a a fabricated conflict you know yeah it's the it's the you know well we have to have some kind of conflict between these characters because that's what people expect because that's drama but it just comes off ending ending up being completely cliched i really wish eddie jones would have come out of the restaurant and said sorry i ruined your chances for getting laid tonight (laughs) alan arkin reminds me of uh, geppetto in this scene (laughs) <laughs> it looks like Geppetto working on his. Uh, Shut up! I'm working on a boy. You know, he also kind of reminds me of the guy that helped Tony Stark build the armor in uh, the first mm-hmm. Iron Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a, uh, which is a nice. Well, it's it's a fair comparison too. But Peavy is just like this great, just just the great old guy character. You know, he's the he's kind of like the Obi Wan in a way, like the the ancient <laughs> wizard type. Who who dispenses wisdom and helps the hero get on his way, and apparently falls asleep in a chair. Which God, that chair looks so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He well, he's kind of he's kind of like the older version of him, you know. It's it's you know he's he's probably sees a lot of himself in, in the young whippersnapper. Wow, how did he get that out of that? That's amazing. <laughs> Nice that hair. would be hard to fabricate for your cosplay too, Scott. But I'll bet you they sell. I'll... You know, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch the series. But I think Barry Allen wore that same robe on the Flash TV series. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This, this has. Doesn't it just look have the look of old Technicolor to it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 beautiful. I'm sure Timothy Dalton was just having a ball. Oh yeah, doing the old swashbuckling. Well, it was funny because for some reason in the and during this time period, there was uh, there seemed to be a, a resurgence of interest in like Douglas Fairbanks, and that style. Well, this was the same summer Robin Hood. Robin Hood, and, and within a year or two of this, remember that movie, My Favorite Year, with Peter O'Toole. Yeah. As the drunk and Mark, Lindbaker. yeah, basically, and he was playing like the du- drunken Douglas Fairbanks character that the guy had to wrangle. So there was a lot of like, they w- it w- that was a little harsh. <laughs> yeah. This is this is just so stocked full of great character actors, just in. Uh, uh, it, you just cannot hide the fact that she's got this wonderful rack. 
that was that's part of it's unfortunately i guess or fortunately for the end result is it's a part of her character <laughs> you know the laughing bandit i'm halfway to my costume i love this this movie is full of sound stages and and airplane hangers all the places where i i, I guess i want to live <laughs> with a place with a big rolling door like that you know with a a, a or you know yeah i love it were sets that poorly constructed yep. yeah that's <laughs> i'm sure they are sets would have to you know i mean a set just has to just to save money has to be the bare minimum that you can get away with i'm sure they were made out of the cheapest materials possible although timothy oh, dalton's hair is a little bit uh is a little bit um 80s heavy metal in in this scene <laughs> it's a little bit weird al And uh, g getting a leather jacket like that would probably be uh, quite an expensive venture too. Kiss me. That guy looks—he <laughs> looks like a turtle. <laughs> looks like a turtle. The her, the manager guy with the glasses there. Oh yeah. And here's the proper time to tell you that I always loved you. We'll talk later when I've finished killing <laughs> Hats, hats, hats. Everybody loved hats in those days. It was, it was, it, it's, it was the fashion. You know, men wore hats. And when you walked into a building, you took it off. But women didn't have to take off their hats. This is what I don't understand. Uh, it's a good thing I took a break right now because I would have missed key bits of the plot. <laughs> yes, I, we would have no movie. He's almost got a little... That dude is seriously short. Uh, to translate that for everybody else, <laughs> Boo says that she likes the movie too. <laughs> oh, you're not bullshitting me. Boo just told you to kill the postman and put him in the freezer. I heard exactly what <laughs> you said there. It's you know, it's uh, I I really wonder why this was also during the time period where leather jackets were uh, coming back. I'm surprised his the Rocketeer leather jacket didn't become a because it's a lighter brown yeah it was it was the dark dark baggier bomber jackets that came back really yeah. big or the indiana jones more close fitting stuff but man that that would be a nice leather jacket to have you'd have to have a rest of an you'd have to have the rest of the outfit to make it work you know you'd have to have the like see see scott you also need the helmet and that'll replace the indiana jones hat for when you go out into public <laughs> and we'll see how that goes because uh it's hip to dress as superheroes now. The newest viral video is that Batman getting pulled over. Well, he was on his way to a children's hospital. 
Yeah, it turns out that he's like a really cool guy. Yeah, he's like but... a doctor who was who was volunteering his time. He just didn't have plates on his Batmobile. Well, let me adjust my eighties hair. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was applying my tear. I'm the genetic combination of Weird Al and Frank Zappa. When I'm done with this, we're going to we're going to sing "Eat It." <laughs> <laughs> and by that, I mean sex. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, I mean I'm going to forcibly have sex with you. <laughs> and see, and this is this is like if you're going to be critical of the movie, which I don't like to be because you know it's it's a fun little movie. This is where things kind of like seem weak to me. Is that the whole crux of him finding out about where the 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 jetpack is is because Cliff and his girlfriend are having like this BS fight. Right. So it, it like it gets the plot moving. Um but at the same time it's like kind of annoying. It's one of those things where almost you know it's almost expected of these movies to have a certain amount of cliche to them, you know. No, that's if true. It, that's very It true. makes it it makes it uh ring more of like the time period because actually the movies of that time period always had would have that sort of you know the 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 nice young protagonist but when they would get in a fight the girlfriend would always sort of hook up with some guy who was either rich or famous but totally sleazy you know and it it was always always sort of the standard subplot of that now how can i look even sillier than i look right now <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that card game that drunk people pay, where they lick the card, like the card, and stick it to their yeah, forehead. Yeah, it's, so it's 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 a form of poker, where you Is don't it... see the card you have, but everyone else does. Uh -huh. We're betting against that. Isn't it called like bullshit or something so, like that? It has some some name like that. Something. Paul Servino is just such a consummate actor. The. the... I, well, you know, there's something about being big, fat Italian mob-looking guy, and if you can speak in that that parlance, it just sounds awesome. You know, move. I, I, speaking for myself, I can listen to like ma mafia talking guys like that all the time because it's just it's great. I love, so, I love character actors too. So, so, so Scott and I have talked in the past that we would like to see a Hawkman Indiana Jones crossover. I would love to see a Rocketeer. Indiana Jones. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, that would be definitely. awesome. And they could stand around comparing leather jackets. But uh, no, I'd be... God, because it's right out of the same time period and they both hate Nazis. So, And they have so much in common. I would love to see Steven Spielberg at the helm of oh, a Rocketeer movie. God, yes. I would kill for that. That would... I, I mean, actually, you know, Joe Johnson isn't, isn't you know, that... No, I but... mean he's not this filmmaker that Spielberg is, but it's you know it's not like it's suffering by the. Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love these moments in superhero films. This I love very... these freaking yeah. moments. This is very much like that. Yeah, it's just. Where are you at right at the moment? Because I he's running towards he's running towards the and the guys making the announcement that everything's Jesus part of the Christ. Trip. I don't know how I'm getting like minutes ahead of you guys. 
I think your cut is different from mine. It must be. Well, it must be going faster because they couldn't. He couldn't have that many less scenes than <laughs> than we have. All right. When uh, when Cliff pops the helmet onto his head, somebody holler at. We'll me. tell you. Okay. It's just really awesome that the guys behind the Flash TV series did this as well. Uh, showing that they had a really good sense of, of a comic book property. Yep, uh, yep, and that combined with Joe Johnson's sense of period, it just like... And it's on. Helmet on, yes. Like a hood ornament. I love that line. Yeah. That's one of my favorite <laughs> lines of this entire movie. How do I look like a hood ornament? I think <laughs> He does. <laughs> I love the flaringsomeness. Yeah. It's awesome. Crap, crap, okay. That is a, that, see, see, that's as good as any CGI. Look at that. Yeah, that's it's, beautiful. Yeah, it is. There's only one. The right there is the only shot I don't like is where he, yeah, he flies past the plane because most everything else I'm pretty sure is rear projected, but that was actually, um, green screen. Blue yeah, screen. And, it, and it just doesn't look, it Sorry, doesn't, it doesn't hold up to the rest of it. And I love, you know, him actually going to the plane. In fl- I mean, that's amazing stunt, you know, stunt work right there. And then well, he these were- twice too. I love that. I mean, you you can see the rookie, you know, the rookie superhero. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's, you know, it's all seat of the pants. It's great. Yep. And well, he's 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 learning how to use his jetpack at the same time that he's got to save the day. Right. It's just, it's such a novelty because, you know, most superheroes come right out knowing, you know, just how to use their powers or, you know, their gadgets or whatever. This guy, I mean, he's learning Or they go into training somewhere, secret training somewhere. Although he'll have his training moments coming up, but, you know, yeah. I love this on the soundtrack, too. It's, It's great. This is a great, great track. Boom. What I also like about this is that as much as it is a superhero, you know, he's got a costume, he flies around. They really don't do a very good job of him trying to keep a secret identity. Everyone pretty much yeah. figures out who it is, yeah. like, right away. I think that it kind of adds some realism to it. Yeah. To it, that it's... That he's he's not really so much a, a superhero as a, a adventure. an adventure hero, yeah, and I like that. Plus, you know, another thing where it's very different from most superhero tales is, I mean, he pretty quickly tells the the girl, you know, the love interest, hey, you know, I'm I'm the Rocketeer. You know, there's there's not the whole drawn out, you know, I must keep my identity a secret from her thing. Now, how does he keep from lighting his ass on fire? That's what everybody wants to know. I watched this with my kids today, and that was their first question. Why is he yeah, said how, his... how is his boots not catching on fire as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. Salutes Don't the look. It turns Flop. off. Yep. Just trust me. It's great. Crap! Crap! <laughs> Well, I'll either be scooping them off the ground or picking them up. Okay. I have to be honest. There, there are moments that I cringe, though, and this one's one of them. The guys that go big, go for. I'm always like, oh, seriously, come on. I don't like that line. It's just kind of silly. 
But the rest of this, awesome. Oh no, I hit corn. There's a little bit of blue screen to it, but... Just a little, yeah. But just a little. But it doesn't really get in the way with it of it. <laughs> As he breaks his neck. Right? <laughs> well, at least it cooled down his feet and ass. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't eat a lot of refried beans before he goes into the air. <laughs> yeah, that would be really bad. Yes. <laughs> Afterburner. <laughs> That's his nitrous. <laughs> I, I love how Peavy fusses him out too. Alan Arkin, I always put Alan Arkin and Peter Falk in the same. Yeah, I would love to. See, I, I, you know, you could almost put either of them in this in in the same role, and they would be fun in the same way. Well, Alan Arkin was in a superhero film called The Return of Captain Invincible, which was an Australian film with uh, him as a World War II era superhero that has to come out of retirement to fight Christopher Lee. And it has this great number called Choose Your Poison, written by Richard O'Brien and Richard Hartley. Um, and he does a pretty good job of having the Superman here. I love the, the shot, the, the front shot of uh, Alan Arkin in this coming scene. When he, Yeah, that right there. Just, just... Now, from a physics standpoint, no, it's not going to work. I got because the, it, that, I got the it, popcorn. <laughs> I always love when when the big tough guy always like swats something out of the head. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but if you were pushing a car with a rocket, you would that rocket would be cru have to by physics be crushing you against the car to to push it that far. It would have like broken his rib bones. Yeah, yeah, I'm smart. Look, ma, no wires. Hooded wonder, stun city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could get laid out of this. If anyone <laughs> per 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 uh, perpetrate such a fantastic hoax, it would have been me. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in other ways, you guys are stupid. <laughs> Just awesome. The the the, the I don't know. I don't know the name of the cinematographer in this movie, but he does Joe a Smith. fantastic job. Joe Smith, fantastic job. A lot of the a lot of the lighting, you know, the the stereotypical lighting from that they're emulating here. When people try to do it, it comes out being exaggerated because they're trying too hard to to like replicate it whereas back in the day they weren't doing it stylistically it was just sort of the way they lit things and I think that's how he approached it in this because it's not really you know like the light through the slats is not super exaggerated it's just great it captures the mood on so many levels I always love the things clutched in people's cold dead hands too 
I'm not going to mess with the mailbox because that's a federal offense. He's a good artist. Draftsman. That's draft work. Yeah, that is draft work. And that's hard as hell to do. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it takes a lot of patience and, uh, and training. Because my father wasn't like a very good artist as in drawing. But, uh, boy, he could, you know, he could draw blueprints like crazy. And, you, and the people who learn drafting, they always have the best handwriting in the world. They always have like a printing well, style. That's a lot just of like... drafting these days is done with AutoCAD. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that hurt. This if this you see someone with acromegaly, your entire life you hurt. So. Well, the, the th what I like about him as a villain though, is he's 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 comical, as in he's kind of cartoonish. Right. But he's a but he's a good solid like unbeatable villain a little non moment there um and, and there's also a little more personality to him than they usually give to these the guys okay you know, the um i'm going to point this out right now this was the uh this was the 30s that would have been plaster and it would have broken his freaking <laughs> neck to be put into a ceiling i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> there was no drywall back then so that i'm aware of that actor that played him he also has a star trek connection he was uh i think he was an alien or something on one of the the series not next gen it was one of the other ones ds9 or voyager or one of them I swear to God, like everybody in this thing is is was in Star Trek at one time or another. It's wild. Well, there could be a lot of the same casting agencies involved. What I what I don't understand about this scene is, you know, when the FBI has you surrounded, does that mean they don't surround the back of your house? <laughs> it's like let's shoot in the front of the house, but we'll ignore the back of the house and hope they won't run out of it. We've got you surrounded, <laughs> except for the back, so feel free to escape. Thank that, you. That that cut with the music of the band overlapping and yeah. coming into the horn, to this totally reminds me of another movie, which was, was a few years before this, but The Cotton Club. Begin it, the Begin. What a great song. It's a great soundtrack. It really is. That's a phenomenal soundtrack. And it, it really captures the feel of the era. You know, it, it's... What's really wild to me, I, you know, I, I can't believe that uh, there's not more. I mean, there is a, a bit of a rocketeer presence in uh, in the Hollywood studios at, at Disney. But I really wish that there was there was more of it, like maybe like a full recreation of like the Bulldog Cafe or something like that. Or someplace like this has the same feel which is kind of the hollywood that never really was you know what i mean that that idealized hollywood that everybody thinks existed but never really did and i think this movie does a masterful job of recreating that that feel hey there's a uh, clint howard uh, blinking yeah. innocent cameo i was about to say hey there's jennifer connelly's rack again uh, yeah, i was <laughs> um, gonna say well clint howard clint howard all as soon as you see that hairline it almost always gives him away to me 
You know, it, you know, we were talking before about. I think he brought him some trotters. Tanya, I was just gonna make that same joke. <laughs> um, You're Tanya, sir. It, it's kind of a. It's kind of funny. We were talking before about Timothy Dalton playing Tony Stark. He totally looks like Tony Stark in that tux. Mm-hmm. Did you ever read? There was a two-issue prestige um, Iron Man miniseries. It was what is it? Iron Man, the Iron Age, I think was the name of it. Okay. And he was very clearly used as the model for well, Iron Man in that. Alex Ross used him as the model in Marvels. Marvels, yeah, that's right. Um, so, uh, you know, I keep saying it. I could just watch Paul Servino all day. And just, just, he never, you know, he plays similar characters. But he always brings a little bit of difference to it. But when he mm -hmm. plays against type, like when he was the detective on Law and Order, he was excellent in that role. Oh, obvious edit. <laughs> he did uh -huh. not say jerk. <laughs> I would love to see like a full Bulldog Cafe uh, restaurant. That would be neat. I want I want to live here, man. Look at those look at this place. Oh my god, it's my dream house with so, those round windows. So when you hit the lotto, this is what you're gonna do? Yeah. Buy I, a couple I, airplane actually, hangers. If I want if yeah, yo, hell yeah. If I win the lotto, I'm gonna have a house like Doctor Strange's house with In Greenwich Village? Are you gonna have an Asian manservant? I've gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be a manservant, but I might have something Asian going on there. <laughs> and if she's, and I don't it, know. And if she's eighteen, we really won't know because her birth certificate was lost years ago. Hey, what are you saying? I'm Woody Allen or something? Well, you know, you squint and you know, give you. I whine <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're we're down here giving you the exposition. So uh don't mind us. He says crawling with cops. I would have said crawling with G-men. I love the term G-men. Stop G -men. rewriting the film. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'd love to have my own little secret like part over the restaurant where, you know, come down the ladder. Those Hi, boots guys. are amazing. Why is he checking out his ass? He's not. It's like he's checking out the floor there or something. <laughs> that is not too sure what he's looking at. I love this scene because it just shows how close Cliff's family, you know, his little adopted family here is. And you see, this is another thing I love. Notice when you go by the window panes, all the edges of the window panes have dirt on them. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, it, it really makes a big difference like subliminally almost when you're watching stuff like this does is it me or does it look like you would one day see two people walking here in suits and and the woman behind the counter has a gun and they say you know rebirth begins tonight and right. the whole captain america project is under the restaurant <laughs> well there's that little reference to indiana jones in captain america are there any references to the rocketeer in that movie I'm I don't think there are the, there were, but it would be that would be. What great. was the Indiana Jones reference? 
I'm trying to remember where it is in there, but there is one in there where it's referenced uh, something about. I'm trying to remember where it is. I mean, it's subtle. I mean, it, they don't, you know, they don't use the name or anything, but I mean, it's, you know, it's it's kind of a, um, I guess like a roundabout reference. Tough guys. <laughs> now, now here's here's where you're gonna. I'm gonna get really freaking geeky. The guy on the right hand side with the gun, kind of in the background near the door. Uh huh. He was on an episode of the first season of Lois and Clark. He played uh, a mob boss that gets taken out rather early in the in the episode, and <laughs> lit- weasel. And later on, we see Rick Overton, who was also, in addition to being a comedian and in the movie Willow. Oh, man. Oh, no, not these onions. <laughs> you know, that you are dumb to put the gun that freaking close to his head. Okay, I've grown bored of this already. This reminds me of the scene in Popeye in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> They should they should totally break into everything is food in this part. Uh-huh. And then uh Dennis Dennis uh what's his name from, and yeah from NYPD Blue starts picking on him and Popeye just wails on him for about 5 minutes. I think you owe me an apology. <laughs> 75 cents chiseler's tax. <laughs> An outrageous abuse of power. Everything is... How have we not done a Popeye commentary yet? I got it on DVD. Popeye is one of my favorite movies of all time. Just that food sequence, I think, is one of the deepest and most profound sequences ever put on film, and I say that with no irony or sarcasm. It just has everything... Everything you need for life is in that scene. (laughs) There's no boobies in that scene. Yeah, God knows you're not going to have a movie, a boobies in a movie with uh, Shelley Duvall. <laughs> Shelley Duvall in it, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was really mean. <laughs> it's really truthful, though. Yeah, the woman's got an Adam's apple. I mean, the woman is a walking Adam's apple. <laughs> She's a man, baby. <laughs> and if you don't mind, I'm going to sit over here and talk in an exaggerated uh, accent. Well, well oh, literally, nice. like, love Shelley... that picture. Is that Agent Coulson? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a, I, another thing I love about movies like this is you really, you know, and as time goes by, it would you, you, this movie could have been filmed anywhere from, you know, this film could have technically been made in the '60s, you yeah. know. Except for the special effects not being up to par. Hauled off and punched him. Mm-hmm. It's the John Wayne punch. Yeah. I'm not going to hit you. I'm They're not ha- going to hit you. They're called haymakers. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I, that's where I want to live. This, this, if I were this guy, I'd be looking for every excuse. Uh, it's like, listen, 
we have got to have that cake made by 6 p.m. If I'm going to get to the store and get back, I'm going to have to take the jetpack. God damn it, the dog's been outside for 15 minutes and we haven't seen him. The only way I'm going to find him is from above with the jetpack. That'd be great if, if for the rest of the film they all talked in that clip like 1940s. So I'm going to go save Jenny with my jetpack, and it's going to be yep. great. Well, you, you forgot you have to say C after the end see? of the video. Gotta go save Jenny, see? see? Gotta put on the jetpack, see? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Gotta put gum in the hole, see? Obvious stunt man. He's creepy, creepy. She was so, so, so hot. What happened? Why? Why did she do what I'm, she did? I, Again, I'm going to say shut up, because um, <laughs> I think she's still very attractive. I mean, Are you upset because she got a reduction? Is that yes, weird? she should be spending time in prison for that crime. Dude, do you realize how hard it is to have a rack like that? The back yeah. pain, the... I would gladly carry them around for her. I mean, I, I would do it for free. I realize that it probably was, you know, she got tired of lugging him around. I'd be more than happy to have done it for her. It's just wrong. It's, well, you should have talked to the doctor. Like, he could have hooked you up. It's like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott comes walking Scott. in with his briefcase with two plastic baggies in it, with two glad bags in it, just going. <laughs> it's like taking a magic marker to the Mona Lisa. It's just something that that's you don't do in that it, it's a crime you know she had one of the perfect racks and she goes and and messes with it why would you do that pain and then Const not only life she of constant pain and focus on your rack funny you know like like i mean she seriously get that chicken ham sandwich or something what's what's wrong with her <laughs> Then this is the the musical part I was referring to before. The music right here is very much like um, uh, a sequence in uh, Brain uh, Brainstorm that uh, Horner also scored. Yeah, but you were talking before about how Horner kind of repeats his motifs. Right. Uh, so, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's like you know. You shouldn't have the same music when the iceberg hits the Titanic be the same music as Harrison Ford getting files off of a computer right. in, in Patriot Games. It's just like <laughs> there should be, you know, it, it's like James James Lilac. Well, it depends on what comes first, but I think Patriot Games came first, so you don't want to bring the image of that up while at the moment of, yeah, the Titanic hitting the iceberg. That's just like... Uh, James Lilacs of the Diner talked about that on his podcast where he, he said, you know, I should be able to listen to music and say, you know what, that's about file management and that's about the death of the largest ocean liner. <laughs> <laughs> the the key moment in the in the in the, the the hinging moment in the entire story of the Titanic, yes. Is that guy getting paid to just snap his fingers in the background? Yes. I think the band leader, they're trying to make him into a Cab Calloway style. He's got the zoot suit <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, but he's a little white to be Cab Calloway. 
Did you guys see the video that's going around Facebook of the old guy with Alzheimer's who couldn't talk and then they put Cab Calloway on his iPod and he come he basically like comes back whenever they play Cab Calloway and like can That's horrendously depressing. I'm sorry. It's, it's, I can't hear you over the sound of her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> do they talk to you like Michael's dog talks to him? Yes, they do. <laughs> touch they me, Scott. Put, touch me. They say, but put Scott, your face right here and go, Scott wishes <laughs> a <laughs> motorboat. Are you doing Scott. a motorboat, Jennifer Connelly? <laughs> the difference is Mike gets to have his dog sitting in his lap during the podcast. And you don't. <laughs> It looks like it, it, it actually looks like he's getting hypnotized by the rack too. He's sort of. <laughs> I've never been a boob man, so I don't get the same hypnotic. See, the, the only time I will like they'll draw my attention like uncontrollably is when there's something outrageous or ridiculous going on, you know, here's, exaggerated. Here's the thing with, with with Jennifer Connelly and why I think she's attractive. It's not just her rack. It is the fact that she is a genuinely beautiful woman. Like, she is proportionate. She is... Was. Yes, I will agree with you, was. But the problem is that now <sighs> she's all scrawny. What happened to her? I mean, she she looks sickly. I mean, is she actually sick? Because she, if she is, then I'll feel really bad. But something <laughs> happened to her. She, she... I mean, I saw her in the Hulk, and I thought... Wow, I mean, does, does she have an illness or something? Because she was just, like, freaking scrawny. And what I like about her here is that she's not, you know, a toothpick. You know what I mean? She's got a little meat on her bones. I like that, you know? I, I think she, she looks proportionate, you know? And you're it's right. probably she's beautiful. She's, it's, it's, hmm? it's probably more an exercise thing. I think a lot of times, like... When when somebody likes, she has more of a working out sort of body now, which you lose. No, she does. She doesn't look like the starved, scrawny waif looking to me. She looks like somebody who's been working out and her body fat index has gone down, and it makes you look more angular. And no, you know, I know what you, you're saying. Up, I completely disagree. She she's gone the other. She's gone completely the other end of the spectrum. Now she's she's gone. I think I don't know. I She's just also I could getting believe. older, Scott. I mean, you know, this is body what, twenty-five she, years ago. Yeah, right. I mean, she was she was in her early twenties when this movie uh, came out. You know, she was still kind of young and five years. Is it what what year is this? Ninety one. Ninety one. It's it's been about twenty one years. Twenty one years. Yeah, almost because it's two thousand twelve, and I can do math in my head. Barely, but I can do it. I love that I that line where he says he'd go out of his mind if any that was so genuine, and I really buy into that moment. Well, it also sounds like somebody would say in that time per- time period too, you know. Yeah. This restaurant has paper in its soup. Why didn't I get paper in my soup? Worst waiter ever. And by the way, don't make it seem like you know that he's the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
It'd be a really good idea to not let that happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? I'm running like hell. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's got a duck to get in the door. Mm -hmm. Although those those swinging doors she just went through sort of had, <laughs> it, they they had a little plastic look to them. I just noticed. I saw one of the windows like, sort of move, wiggle around a little bit. And we're gonna dance. In 1938, that was considered rape. That guy, that guy, that guy does n the Rondo Hatton guy just looks freakish without his hat on. <laughs> I always love the um, the running through the restaurant scenes in movies. Yes. Although, as someone who's worked in restaurants for many years. I've never had anybody come rushing through my kitchen before. It, you know, like that. It, it, and you would think it was like an everyday occurrence. This is a very Spielberg y scene to me. Sequence, this whole sequence. Yeah. I have to. I have to watch. I used to watch old Rondo Hatton movies. Where he did a series of movies where he played a character called the Creeper. Let's look out for Rick Overton coming up. And there you go. He's going to burn the whole place down. <laughs> oh, no, it's like that. Oh, what, uh, what was the name of that band? <laughs> that torched the whole club. Oh, I can't remember. I know what you're talking about, though. The hair metal band. This is the same sort of situation. <laughs> you know what's pretty amazing to me is that the uh, the fire from the rocket has to be animated most of the time but it yeah. looks pretty remarkable i mean they mm -hmm. really did a great job with that they've come they, a long they... way from say like superman 2 with the animated flamethrower where it just looked cartoony you know i mean this the special effects in this have really stood up yeah i think so I love that shot of him flying, you know, away from uh, from L.A. That's just great. Tommy guns. Man, he he. I, I I'm just thinking he could really do some damage with the with the helmet on that, just flying into somebody. <laughs> Cut him just clean in half. Yeah, he could just he could just aim his head down and ram somebody in the chest and and do him in. Uh, it's, I guess it's not that pointy, but it could still do some damage. Is it me or did no glass fall on the people that were shooting up when he crashed through the uh, yeah. window? 
Yeah, you don't see them shield their eyes or yeah. anything. <laughs> Every time I see someone go through a skylight, I think, Poseidon Adventure! <laughs> My mustache is very angry with you. I love this. Does, it, does uh, this that... smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the dissolve into the sheets was very well done. Uh, from the mountains to the bed. That was really cool. Really? That's what I thought last night. Oh, I'm not going to go into that. You used mountains for sheets? <laughs> I don't want to know about your life, Chris. Stop. I'll stop referencing it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and that's when the billy goats came in. What? <laughs> oh, I haven't been able to wash the smell of otter out. I mean, the... Last... I, I mean the uh, storytellers that could probably come from Scott just telling stories about you guys growing up would probably be entertaining in and of itself. Scott's going to do a storyteller about her rack someday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can already see the Photoshop picture, too. Scott's just going to be like a little action figure propped up in no, between her boobs. What you got to do is... Tales that, from the rack. Get that picture of Scott... Where he's like looking, <laughs> looking like into the webcam with that mm, look, and just put her boobs right above mm, him, right. Like here's, his jaws. Here's, here's a podcast idea. Jennifer Connelly's Ta boobs. Tales from the comic rack, <laughs> and and it's all you and Scott just talking about which superheroines had the best racks and you know the best oh, comics for for finding racks, and you know it'll it'll be the most listened to podcast by teenage boys will be just like they'll be going to ebay and ordering all the best yeah, we'll get we'll get scotty and michael leyland to go i approve <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh no, no it things be are about saying, to get i approve and michael going it's all right <laughs> chloroform and smelling salt she looks very young in these scenes she does almost creepily so what is amazing about this scene is how he's being so smooth and she's seeing right through him every right. time and it's just it speaks to her as an intelligent woman and it also speaks to him as just being a complete slimy scumbag yeah who's also like even he's so used to charming women that he doesn't even know when it's not working you yeah know, he can't he can't turn it off or, or can't get past it. Yeah, she does. She looks like she's a teenager in in this. It looks like a teenager that's been Now she is the same girl from Labyrinth, right? Yeah. I was about to I was about to make a joke that Timothy Dalton goes, Tra la la <laughs> and I have never up. seen that movie. You really need to. I, I know I've had ages, but that that was a really good movie. There were two Henson movies that came out in the 80s that are still thought of as brilliant. That's Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. I hate Dark Crystal, but still love Labyrinth. <laughs> I haven't seen either one in so long, I barely remember anything about them. Oh, just the look on her face as she's totally calling him out, and he doesn't know whether he wants to kiss her or snap her neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could be like Kirk and just do both. Yeah. And then he, he runs up and jump kicks her. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's see. I've got all of these dresses from the horrors that I've killed. 
<laughs> so what are these wire hangers doing in this closet? <laughs> it's just like Raiders of the Lost Ark. What is it with the bad guys always having outfits for for the girls that they kidnap? It's Hooker City's kill because the only way he can really get an erection is if he chokes out a hooker. I mean, this that was in the novelization at least. <laughs> Good old Peter David. <laughs> He's always, you know. Every time I see a movie, I'm thinking there should be a detail of this about choking out hookers. <laughs> ah, maybe in the novelization. Hey, you know, Clockwork Orange, 2001, Snow White, you know. <laughs> yeah, the Peter Peter David adaptation of Snow White is awesome. because I'd pay to see that or read that. <laughs> oh, I got a little something in my teeth. <laughs> it's great because here's where his character here's where the scenery chewing really really starts ramping up ramping up he's 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 becoming more and more like letting his insanity out and that's when you also kick him in the throat while he is on the ground, crush his trachea so he basically now, chokes to death. That wasn't a very hard blow to the head, but then again, he's a soft actor. This house is amazing. I've always he's wanted a, nice a place house. like this. <laughs> I'm eating chicken wings. I'm telling you, I'd rather live in an airplane hangar than a house like this. <laughs> that man is eating like four chickens at once. Well, he's got acromegalia. His body's growing out of control. He needs constant pro. He's like a teenager during puberty all his life. Neville Sinclair has the most comprehensive collection of Reader's Digest books ever. (laughs) They're all the Reader's Digest condensed books. (laughs) And and Indiana Jones and his father come (laughs) swooping out when she opens up the thing on the... (laughs) Yeah, the tied to the, which actually happens in Star Trek Lego Three. I love the I love the lighting in this. Everything was purple before. Now it's all green. It's 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 awesome. See, I notice those things, but I don't notice those things until somebody points it out. If that makes any sense. It's not lurid. That's why it's just very it's it's very subtle, and it's also weird because it's not really indicative of like the movies of those that time period. But for some reason, it I think the colored lights almost look like old like radio dial light and you know just old lighting. So it always makes it feel like that time period. It's the King James Nazi handbook. They're always <laughs> it's, they're always Nazis. <laughs> And inside it says, to Neville, love Adolf. How to be a Nazi, <laughs> volume one. Yeah, exactly. I'll always remember that time. <laughs> he is going to wreck her vagina. That's oh, what Nazis dude. do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> uh, it's getting late and I'm tired. I apologize. <laughs> And let me hide it in a trash can because that's an inconspicuous place. <laughs> Why does my helmet smell like cheese? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My helmet's got toenail just, clippings in it. God. God, I love this movie. I mean, just. <sighs> I I I always look at all look at the old seltzer bottle in the foreground. It's like it's it's it awesome. is such a rich film full of <laughs> dumbass. Patsy reminds me of my cousin Michelle. Isn't she the one that art? Yes. About, uh, Star Star Wars. Yeah. Of course, I knew Michelle when she was a bit older than her. <laughs> but yeah, they have very similar face and hair, huh? Yeah. I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound mean, but it's not. She's a very generic-looking little girl from this era. It's not to say now that it, she's ugly or unattractive. It's just, you know, you've seen one, you've seen them all. Is she supposed to be Jenny's younger sister? No, I guess that not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't Because she seems awfully concerned about her. Right. But I, I just wonder where that comes from. Well, little kids are concerned about everybody they know because they're little kids. And you notice in movies, people always, when they're talking to little kids, they grab them by the arms and they sort of shake them while they're talking to them a little bit. Don't worry, everything will be all right. And they give them a little shake. I am really sick of guys in cheap suits finding me in this place. <laughs> Oh, I love Howard Hughes and PV comparing notes. That's just so awesome. You know, I would just love for, for Cliff to just elbow one of them in the face as hard as he can. I wonder how many movies there have been that have had Howard Hughes or some sort of fake Howard Hughes in sort of a side role in them, you know, period movies, because it seems like there's a lot of them. There's just a lot of movies. About Howard Hughes. If I was going to CGI George Lucas this, I would put like jars of urine and fingernail clippings all around the, the room <laughs> behind him. Not yet. You just want one or two. He hasn't gone into his complete, you know, disintegration yet. You know, this is, this is, it's always Howard Hughes in the prime of his life, unless it was that movie, uh, what was it? Melvin and Howard. That's a great movie. About this the guy is probably my fit next to the actual where he saves Malcolm there where he flies for the first time. This is probably my favorite oh, moment the, of the, the of animation the movie. and everything. Yeah, because this is totally, totally Disney right here. I mean, yeah. Yeah. this is really going, you know, it harkens back to um, the Disney animation of this time because they did movies like, you know, Victory Whoops. Through Air Power and things like that. And uh, it was just amazing animation that's great oh the and this is splendid re recreation this yeah this is <laughs> very very i i love how the the numbers are nazi numbers yeah. that <laughs> you can tell that it's like this is a nazi film their numbers are pointy but yeah you're totally this is the nazi disney film mm-hmm yeah I mean, it just, it totally looks like something through, like, uh, Victory Through Air Power, or there was another one that they had done. I can't remember what the name of it was. That was a propaganda, you know, anti-Nazi film. The music is even yeah just 
is perfect. And and it looks authentic. It doesn't yes, look it like just a cheesy recreation of it. It really has the look of it. Yeah, it totally matches the animation style of the time. That's great. So uh, what do you think? Uh, I had my voice whip that up about 10 minutes ago. Do you think their animation style's improved? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's not concerned with, like, uh, yeah, he's not concerned with uh, the the actual problems that the, the, the Nazis could cause. He's worried that they got better uh, animation studios than we do. <laughs> I'd make a joke, but Scott would get really pissed, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Suspenders were also a, a big deal in those days. Well, you know, belts suck, so... I'm a big supporter of suspenders. <laughs> oh, God, Chris! Belts. Jesus! <laughs> yeah. Now, now are you regretting not telling your joke? <laughs> if you were telling your joke, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have been able to squeeze that one in. I'm kind of seeing my way out. Yes. Just some great, great close-up shots in here. Another one. I'm gonna haul off and punch somebody. No blasters. No blasters. <laughs> Once again, the heroic music is awesome in this. What's wrong, Scott? I I don't know what the hell's wrong. I I'm continually like five minutes ahead of you guys. I, it's through the whole goddamn movie. It's really pissing me off. I'm sorry. I, I have continually had to keep stopping and and just waiting for you guys to catch up. I don't know. I mean, I guess mine is just playing at a faster speed, but it's not like the voices are chipmunks or something. I don't know why the it hell I'm constantly out of sync. Because it doesn't have to be that much faster of a speed to add up. Yeah. <laughs> seconds add up. <laughs> Fractions of seconds See, add up. You probably up have like an older DVD version of it. Like one of the first, and I have a newer one with the Walt Disney on it, and maybe Yeah, but you guys seem like you're keeping up. We're we're pretty much in sync. Well we're that's because he's sync. probably watching a rip of the one that I have. Right. I we're probably watching the same but it's it's just it's strange. Well, it, yeah, it's strange because you know back in the day of VCRs, I could understand having a V. You know, every VCR played at a different speed. But it seems like digital, it should be it should just all be thirty frames a second. Should be thirty frames a second. I could totally see you wearing that jacket, Scott. I love that look. <laughs> Full face mask and tank strapped to your back. <laughs> well, I mean, granted, that's this. This was a you know at the time it was a fairly modern comic that was done in that period style, but I think there's just something to be said for period piece superhero movies. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was just talking to a guy at work the other night. Uh, we got a new guy in the department that uh, is a big comic book fan too, and. Uh, Somehow or other, we were talking about the Raimi Spider-Man films. And it was funny that, that we both came to the same conclusion that one of the reasons that we really didn't care for the first movie 
is that we both uh, wish that it had been a period piece, you know, set in the 60s. I wonder how many more, you know, superhero movies, you know, would really be maybe more interesting or just feel more faithful to the, the source material if they actually, you know, were set, you know, in the, the actual era of, you know, when the original books were coming out. I know oh, it's a big one for me. I'd love to see a period piece Spider-Man movie. A 70s Spider-Man. And yeah, or, they could or, have fun with it and have some wacka, wacka, wacka music in it. No, not 70s, 70s, 60s. For Spider-Man, oh. 60s. For Doctor Strange, 70s. Yeah. That would be great. No, I agree. I would love to see a Hulk film set in the, in 1962. You know, at the height of the Cold War, and, and it yeah. had those overtones to it. No, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I think the the main problem with the first Spider-Man film is that Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man, and uh, that's a problem that continued for two more movies. So, love this. He may be a bad guy, but he hates Nazis. Yep. Yep, it's what binds all Americans. Okay. Paul Savino would make a really good Jackie Gleason if they, you know, if you oh, yeah. Jackie Gleason biopic or something. Or if they ever wanted to do like a uh, Honeymooners, uh, you know, some sort of like updating, you know. Something like that. I'd love to see him as Jackie Cleason. That'd be cool. They did do an up. They did do a honeymooners movie. Yeah, I know. Don't remind me. It was a travesty. I just remembered that. I just remembered that. And yeah, it, it shows that I didn't remember that since it came out. Just until you mentioned it, how awful that movie was. That's an awesome shot. It's love the beginning that. of Star Wars. Happy Valentine's Day. Holy shit, it's Batman! I wonder what the Rocketeer signal would look like. It's the helmet. <laughs> Lousy Krauts! What year did uh, Last Crusade come out? 89. 89. So that was another blimp movie. So there was... Ow, 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 ow! You know, one of the really cool things about living down here is that I always, as a kid, you know, especially with movies like this, like you just pointed out, you know, I always wondered what it would be like to actually see airships. And there's blimps like crazy around here. Mm -hmm. I mean, hardly a day goes by when I'm not driving, you know, to or from work where I don't see an airship. And I just think that that's really cool, you know? I mean, not like these, you know, they're not the, the really huge, you know, passenger, you know, airliner yeah, type of thing, but still, the, the you big, know. The biggest you see is there's still some of the big Goodyear blimps. Right, yeah. Um, I was in, uh, when I went down to film the Republican convention in 2004, the, um, the, Rochester, or the Rochester, the New York Police Department had the Goodyear blimp to do to watch you know the watch the protest from the air and and whenever we wanted to go film something we just look up into the up into the sky and see where the blimp was and head in that direction huh. and that's where something would be happening and it was great for like four days the goodyear blimp was just sailing over new york city everywhere 
Okay, the dude with the glasses, the Nazi with the glasses, don't you want his face to melt? <laughs> yeah, I know. This scene? No. It's funny, there were there were the tough, nasty Nazis, and there were always the little little wimpy the Nazis with the John Lennon glasses. Yeah, the Arnim Zola the Nazis. Right there with the flag with the gun. That's right out of the comics. Mm -hmm. I love that, where he posts with the gun for just a moment. That's a total Dave Stevens shot right there. That's great. Apparently, Dave Stevens was very had a lot of disappointment with this movie. Uh, there's a book that I really want to pick up that's basically his journals, and you find out what a tortured life he really had. Um, I think he wanted this to be a little grittier than what it was, you know, because the the comic isn't i mean it's not like full of you know anything it, raunchy or anything but it, it's it had like, that a little that adult it had that direct sales pg-13 right. yeah, feel PG -13, to it yeah you know it, it, like the betty page aspect of it was just cheesecake you know it wasn't it didn't it's, get to like sexy well it got you know you would see her doing a photo shoot or something but it was more teasy you know not really exploitive as much as just sort of, you know. Well, here's here's the thing too. This this movie came out in the summer of '91, so not only did it have to fight against, like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which was a, mo a massive film, but it also had to be up there against T2, and T2 was a very gritty, kind of you know kid, smart ass kid with a robot, you know, fighting another robot, and then you have this which is like a heart, a callback to a different type of adventure movie. And I don't know if the public was just ready for this type of thing. I think it's similar. I, I, I think it suffered a little from the what happened with John Carter, too, where they were like, this movie could be like the beginning of a franchise and right. it's going to be this huge deal. This was deal. supposed and to be a trilogy. They wanted this to be Disney's answer to Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. And... It didn't, it, and I, I, I don't think it was a flop, but it, once again, it was one of those things where it didn't burn down the world. So all of a sudden, you you got the idea that, you know, they, it, it was, like, disappointing. That was a very Indiana Jones scene when his hat flies off and he watches his hat fly away. But I, 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 I just very, this brings Love back this. so many... I remember watching this in the theater so much with my dad, this whole sequence. Definition of screwed. <laughs> Thunk. <laughs> yeah, and... It's it's a shame. There's there were a bunch of I think Dick Tracy sort of uh, suffered the same fate where they were like you know Warren Beatty and well, I don't think Dick Tracy was as good a movie as this actually. Dick, Dick Tracy uh, it's, it holds up by the way because I bought that recently because I was at Walmart I like the movie. for like five five bucks. But the problem with Dick Tracy is that they sold it as the next Batman. They hyped right. it as much as Batman did. They had, I don't know if you guys remember, and we, if we ever do a Dick Tracy commentary, we can bring this up again. The the t-shirt midnight showing ticket, yeah. where your t-shirt was your ticket to get in. 
and that stuff blood like on that. His forehead's going to mysteriously disappear in just a moment. I noticed this earlier when I watched it earlier today. I'm sorry, Mike. You were saying? No, oh, I was just talking about how, why Dick Tracy failed. Is that it was it, they were trying to Batman happened and no one, you know, they 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 they, they hyped it, but I don't think you could create the amount of hype that Batman had. You can't, you know, just just how omnipresent Batman was in the summer of '89. They wanted to do the same thing with Dick Tracy, and it just didn't work out because it was so right. fabricated. Right, and. And it was a, and it wasn't like, and Dick Tracy wasn't like Batman. It was his own, its own movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, Warren Beatty's a savvy filmmaker, but Dick Tracy to me, the what, what made the what, and it was funny because I saw both those movies in the same summer, and I remember my dad was sort of of the same opinion. Was the, you know, Dick Tracy stylized it, you know, stylized the feel of it, and and of course it was coming from a more comic strip you know a, a newspaper strip exaggerated comic but it was it had more nod and wink to it and this one is straight up you know this one isn't this one isn't being winky about the its age it's just taking place in that time yeah and and it just it just comes off as more endearing you know than it's f- not begging for your approval <laughs> the fight is so much tighter in this scene whereas before we were talking about like it was all just haymaker after haymaker and here they're they're really in close quarters it's really freaking cool no safety glass in those days either <laughs> well i always knew our relationship was going to go down in flames <laughs> Somehow I knew it was oh, going to end that. this way. I would love to go up in a Ooh. blimp someday. Not exactly in this uh, circumstance. <laughs> but... In just about every movie, too, with a blimp in it, the blimp goes down. I think the only one that doesn't was... The Last Crusade. The Last Crusade. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't, though. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, crap, crap, crap! <laughs> <laughs> it's the fire enema. And in Superman the movie, the rest of the Hollywood sign would fall down depending on which version (laughs) of the film you're watching. (laughs) Now this this sequence, I was always really just really impressed with the special effects when the blimp starts to explode. Yeah, I like how each envelope explodes independently. It's very, it's, I'm sure it's not realistic. (laughs) <laughs> but it looks very realistic. Just fabulous green screen, blue screen, and rear projection work in this. Mm-hmm. That looks great. Yep, there's no lines in there, and you get almost the 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 feel of, you know, the background being a little more out of focus. Hey, this reminds me of the Road Warrior. 
<laughs> the gyro man flying to the rescue. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the end of Rondo Hatton? Could this be the end of Rondo Hatton? That would be a good way to die on top of an exploding blimp, though. I wouldn't mind going out that way. I would, just I don't want to die. Um, well, if I, I'm saying if I'm going to die... If I'm going to die, I'm going to die at the age of 93, shot by a jealous husband because I was guilty. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, that's 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 a spirit. I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't be 93 on the top of that <laughs> blimp either. Of the blimp after I <laughs> after I had sex with a 19 year old girl. <laughs> yeah, the, and and her father chased me to the top of the blimp. You know, that's the way. Yeah, that's the way we all want to go. Of peaches, peaches for me. <laughs> I mean, the the coloring of that scene of her pulling off the peach looks like an old crate label I from would, a. I always liked that guy. Love PB in this scene reading the newspaper. Yeah, he's he's got the old guy glasses look that I'm starting to get where I have to put my glasses down like that to read the paper. It's funny, all my friends that are my age that have glasses, we were all comparing notes the other day and they're like, When you're laying in bed reading, do you have to put your glasses all the way to end, under your nose like an old person? I'm like, Yep, we're all at bifocal age. Ah, uh, in the days that you could just land a freaking plane in the middle of the street. <laughs> hey, guys. He get, gets out of it smoking a cigarette. <laughs> Has a prostitute with him. Oh, it's Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes could do it. Hey, you know, I'm sure we got billion. I'm sure, you know... Um, Bill Gates I'm could land to, a... Bill, Bill Gates or Richard Branson or something could land there, you know, there somewhere, you know. There's a $75 fine for that, sir. Okay. <laughs> I like that that Howard Hughes just wants to know what it was like to fly with yeah, the rocket yeah, yeah, yeah. on his back. That was... Yeah. It honest, reminds sir, me it kind of sucked. <laughs> that, that scene always reminded me a lot of uh, there's a great moment in the book it's it's not in the movie, but it's in the book for uh, Ragtime, where the uh, workers that were working on one of the tunnels under New York, um, something went wrong, and they were actually like expelled from the tunnel up through the 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 riverbed, and it, I mean it was like almost like an explosive decompression type of thing. And Houdini, Harry Houdini, went to visit one of them in the hospital just to ask him what was it like, you know, to, to go through that experience. And I always thought that was really cool, This, you know, where, uh, where Hughes wanted to know the same thing, you know, what, what was it like. I like the way he puts it, you know, to strap that thing on your back and take off like a bat out of hell. I, I thought that was really cool. I just love the look of that that scene at the end of it, you know, it's, it's just some, you know, gravel road out in the middle of nowhere type of thing. I always wonder where they film stuff like that and where do they find some place that has that authentic look? Oh, there's people whose whole careers are <laughs> based on driving around looking for locations. Mm -hmm. And 
the the amount of manipulation that goes on and you know for the mo to get to get him looking like that is is amazing too especially in big production got, movies like I've this got a pot on my head and a vacuum cleaner strapped to my back i'm the rocketeer <laughs> well you see if they if they did this you know in the modern like let's grid it up there would be some guy who like was a wannabe who would end up getting burnt up in his fake rocketeer suit and then the rocketeer would have a have a you know whole problem with his personality and <laughs> associate producer yeah. Chris Honeywell <laughs> art director Scott H. Gardner the H stands for how I want to see Jennifer Connelly's old boobs mm -hmm. <laughs> god that's a great movie oh man just a lot of fun Just and, and anybody who doesn't like this film I doubt you have a soul You keep trying to bring me around to uh, Family Guy, but I, I'm I'm never ever going to forgive them of that. Oh, that me neither. That they I was said about that. Fucking pissed. What's that? There Did was, they say something bad about this movie? There's a in, in the in the thing in the Rick episode Baker. in the sign. Baker did Lothar. Hey. Um, in the episode where Brian was trying to get them to legalize pot, they had the song "A Bag of Weed, A Bag of Weed, A Bag of Weed." Everybody needs a bag of weed, and one of them is if you something about how, you know, if you're stupid, you'll like the Rocketeer, you'll watch the Rocketeer, and I I am not offended by anything said on Family Guy except that, because I'm like, you know what, that was that was a pretentious fucking shot to take at a well, really they good cast, movie. They cast a wide net on their offensiveness on. Family Guy, so there's almost like you can't watch Family Guy for any length of time without seeing something that you totally disagree, some cultural reference that they make fun of that you go, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was an Industrial Lights and Magic project. Oh, yeah. That helps a lot. I'm always just I'm always glad to see Tom Baker's name in there and I'll bet you Tom Baker was especially happy to make a Rondo Hatton character. Is it Tom Baker? Tom Baker, yeah. Tom Baker, King of the Monkey Suits, I man. Tom Baker was Doctor Who. Tom Baker was Doctor Who. There's there's more there's there's People with the same name Baker, with the same name Tom, that are different. You're talking people. about the Baker that did like Kong and stuff, right? Yeah, Tom Baker. Is that his name, Tom Baker? I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, let me. Um. Oh shit! No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Rick Tom Baker. Savini, Rick Baker. Rick Baker, yeah. Yeah, Rick Baker. Rick Rick Baker was the uh, guy who did. <laughs> yeah, I got Doctor Who on the mind. It is yeah, Rick, a complete king of the monkey suit that uh, that there's never been an official expanded score for the Rocketeer because this ah oh, it's such a great great score. Well, maybe the longer you work at Disney, you'll find yourself in a secret <laughs> archive someplace, and you'll be able to put your memory card in there and and soak down the master tracks or something oh, someday in the future. Dream. Yeah. Oh my god, I've been accidentally locked in the music archives of Disney overnight. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? I would love to be an archivist for Disney 
you know, huh. just filing stuff just to see what kind of. I just saw a walkthrough of Lucas's warehouse of all his Star Wars props and stuff. You know, just a big warehouse space with it's basically the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's got his own, you know, warehouse full of full of props. And goddamn, Disney must have ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times that. All those There's never been a, a sequel to this movie. It's just sad. It would be a nice. It would be a nice animated show in the like computer animated like Clone Wars, but in the style of uh, of that. That's that's the only way you would get, you would be able to do a Rocketeer Indiana Jones meetup. There was I a think. nice little animated uh, rocket. It was just a, a brief little. Mm-hmm cartoon that came out right around the time that there was a uh, uh, a showing of this out on the west coast somewhere where they like reunited the cast and everything it's a sort of fan made thing wasn't it I think so yeah. Uh, yeah. it was like a cast reunion type of thing there's been all these neat computer animated fan. I saw that Rocketeer one. There was a Star Wars one with Han Solo and yeah. Chewbacca. There was a Superman, Superman versus yeah. the Hulk one, where you know where the fan the fans are making something that like is getting it right, you know, mm-hmm. which makes sense in some ways. Although fanboys can sometimes get it wrong too because they'll have their obsessive focuses. Yeah, there's a. I, I think you have to have a certain distance from the material. Like, you or, can love... restraint. Yeah, like, like okay, is this really going to work in the terms of a movie and a story? Or is it just something that I've always wanted to see on the screen? And if you're smart and clever, you can have your cake and eat it too with that. So, so are you listening, TV Land? Make us a Rocketeer cartoon, for Christ's sakes. I'd be down with that. And you know, and 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 it works out perfectly for you guys because you don't have to come up with anything new. <laughs> well, you just I, have I think to buy be- a property. Well, I honestly think the best thing about this whole thing is that I, you know, we we finally got to get together and talk about one of my favorite uh, comic-inspired films. I finally uh, got to see it after twenty-one years again. So. I still say this is you know one of the best superhero movies that's ever been i i just i think it's a near perfect movie well it reminds me of when like a lot of times the the great superhero movies of the movies end up not being real comic book properties like you were just saying on facebook you were watching the incredibles today Mm -hmm. and how it was just one of the great superhero movies and it was totally original and i think that's how it got away with it but the rocketeer has that feel too you know I think right. there were a lot of people who saw The Rocketeer who had no idea that it was a comic. It wasn't like a huge comic like Superman or, you know, right. he wasn't an established character over generations and stuff. There were, you know, there's a lot of people who watch The Walking Dead TV show and, you know, it's a revelation to them that there's a comic book of it, you know? Right. So I think maybe that's that's why it worked a lot. There's not the preconceptions, you know, you can play with your own sort of thing you don't have to worry about keeping it canonically 
straight. Although, you know, you can have those those um, nitpicks with the Rocketeer if you're a reader of the comics, too. I don't know. There's probably not a lot of Rocketeer comic readers out there now because Dave Stevens has been dead for a long time. Well, they well, keep putting out new series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the the comics never really had much of a of a... I, I mean, I did have a linear story, but it, it was so haphazard. I mean, it was all over the place. I mean, because there, there was a chapter in this magazine from this company, and then three years later it was a completely different company and a completely different magazine. And so the story just was so all over the place that, you know, you could feel like you kind of knew the character, but the specifics of the story just kind of kept getting lost because it, it just was not, not published with any frequency or, or yeah, consistency or regularity. It was just all over the place. So one of these days I want to get one of those collected editions and be able to read the thing start to finish. Cause I don't know that you I can, ever you can find, you can find the hardcover really cheap on eBay and on Amazon. And yeah, if any, get me one, if anybody remembers back way back a couple of years ago on star Wars monthly Monday, um, one of, uh, my possessions is I have a Star Wars poster magazine that used to be owned by Dave Stevens that I got on eBay. They were selling off all his comics <laughs> and st- his collection, you know, his his widow or family or or whatever. And and I was just going after Star Wars magazines, you know, and these ones were really cheap, and I want them. And they came with a certificate of authentication saying that they you know, belonged to Dave Stevens at one time, which, you know, I didn't really think much about it. But then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, he probably bought this when he was a kid, you know, because he wasn't that much older than us, right? He was only a few years older. He wasn't that old. So he was, was old. What, he died of cancer, right? Or something like that? Or like leukemia like or something like that? Yeah, it was something really tragic and kind of... Very sad. Yeah. Yeah, he was a very good artist too. I really liked his his drawing style. Oddly enough, the first time I ever saw him was on an E True Hollywood story of Betty Page because he was the only one Betty Page would talk to. Oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, I don't think she. I I, I seem to remember hearing that she wasn't too happy about like the a lot of the popularity of the Rocketeer being responsive. She didn't like the sort of resurgence of of her that came with the hipsters and the tattoo crowd, you know, during the 90s and into today, you know, where they were really, like, into Betty Page, and there were people always, like, she's still alive and trying to, like, seek her out and being kind of... Have sex with her. Creepy. Yeah, even though she was, you know, 70 years old at the time or whatever. Uh, We've had the Carrie Fisher conversation, so... Yeah. (laughs) It's a matter of principle, maybe. But... You know, I I never I never understood the whole fetishization of Betty Page. You know, I thought she was obviously very beautiful and stuff, but I never understood well, the mania behind she, the cheesecake. You know, thing well, one it, 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 it was a thing coming out of World War Two. Uh, you know, a bunch of GIs come home and they start you know taking up photography as a um, as a hobby. And I mean, these guys were very used to seeing cheesecake type art you know, with pinups and such. And I think 
I mean, we can't understand it now because I can Google boobs. Well, she was the safe. first first but, person to really do a lot of bondage, you know, to cover but, bondage weird stuff, you know, in those days, which must have been really weird. It was lot, very light, you know, in but, her day, but... The thing is, is that, you know, we could, we could Google the term boobs, turn safe search filter off in, in, in Google and see, like, hundreds of boobs where back then pornography you had to go to the cb place or go through mail order it just wasn't as prevalent so yeah it was, it was like drugs you had to have a connection somewhere yeah. you know you had to have some guy who'd be like hey, i got the get the i got some good snapshots for you <laughs> and there's and i think there's also i'm trying to think of the best way to say this I think there are people that cannot separate the fantasy with the reality of the oh, situation. Yeah. You know, it's the people that think the girls at the strip clubs really, really like them. And, yeah, yeah. That's, and, and I think that's what creeped out Betty Page. I think that's why she was like, I yeah. ain't leaving the house, you know? <laughs> so, you know, she was just taking pictures. And because people were paying her to do so. So to her, it was a job. And to like some kind of mentally disturbed or maybe mentally off person seeing that that you know suddenly they have this like connection and suddenly you know they're they're sitting there trying to kill president reagan because they're in love with her so well i also think that she was one of those people that was ahead of her time whereas she was she was in those porno pictures and stuff and then she retired from it but she never denounced it she was always like oh yeah it was fun you know i have no problem with sex and i have no problem with people enjoying sex and that was kind of ahead of its <laughs> and you are she never was... going to see me today, so you can always have that that image. Of... Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. And I, and I went out, and I, and I, everybody's memory of me is being really hot, you know, of the girl that they want to have sex with, and and that wasn't an attitude that people that women had openly during that time period. You know, it, if they did stuff like that, it was under a different name, and you know, it was a dirty little secret. And when you were done with it, you denounced it or whatever. And she was just like, "No, I did it. I've got paid, and they, I got paid well, and I had a riot." And and blah. so, I think that's maybe why she was so like focused, focused on. And I, I, the the thing that annoys me about Betty Page is all the all the hipster girls who have emulated her. You know, in the intervening years, they're still. You know, they they get the. They get the same haircut and and they sort of look like Betty Page with with cheap tattoos. <laughs> it don't work for me. Well, anybody got anything else? No, I think we should leave it on. Did, did we lose Scott? Some no, vague, I'm here. Some oh, okay. vague reference to boobs or or. <laughs> well, we learned we learned a lot in this episode. We learned that. Uh that I can go too far with the vagina joke and that Scott wants to motorboat the 1991 era uh, Jennifer Connelly. So. Well, when I post this episode, I'm going to definitely put Jennifer Connelly's boobs as one of the key, key phrases for people <laughs> to search for, just in case anybody... Scott might find some kindred, kindred spirits through that, through a Google search. <laughs> I might even put... I, I, I'm going to put old school Jennifer Connelly boobs. I think that's the best way and, to end it. And out, yeah. And and scene. Scene. <laughs>
you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.